Welcome to the discussion, Lessons from a Pandemic, How to Overcome Acquisition Bureaucracy, sponsored by ProPricer. And welcome to our discussion on what the pandemic has taught us about how to do things differently and more efficiently within the government acquisition system. And for this part of the program, we're going to get an industry perspective on some of those lessons learned. And for that, we're going to turn to Michael Weaver, Product Innovation Director at ProPricer. George Barbick, the Director of Estimating, Program Assessment, and Evaluation at Lockheed Martin, and Hagen McHenry, Vice President for Pricing, Strategy, and Intelligence at Periton. Thank you all for joining us. And um, as part of this programming, we, we talked with Major General Cameron Holt, who is the Deputy Assistant Director, uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary, I should say, for contracting at the Department of the Air Force. And, and he made, I, I thought, a lot of interesting points on, on how they have navigated through COVID. And the, the one thing that I think he kept coming back to was that they, they have operated this almost like a contingency contracting environment in, in the sort of way that they would do in a, in a wartime situation. And with all those authorities turned on, they had the kind of flexibility that allowed them to almost look at the acquisition system from the outside while running the acquisition system and, and figure out new, more efficient ways of doing things where they weren't necessarily as constrained by the traditional rules and, and just move a lot faster more generally. For, for our ind industry panelists, I guess I'd like to start by asking, how apparent has that been to you during the course of the pandemic and working with the government? How different have things been? Um, George, let me start with you on that question. Okay, let me, let me just uh, address that from, from really from my perspective. And, and it, it, it obviously has been extremely, uh, it's been an extreme change really for us as far as, you know, not being able to really have face-to-face -face meetings, not being able to do things, uh, you know, that you're used to doing. But the adaptation has really been amazing by the, by the majority of our workforce. Being able to find alternate ways of getting things done and making things happen, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been an amazing kind of transition of, trying to be as seamless as possible. And I'm not going to say there's zero effects because there's obviously lots of effects. I mean, you have to make sure that your workforce is safe, uh, taking care of looking at things, making sure your supply chain stays viable. But it's been a, a great transition being able to use, you know, being able to people, you know, two thirds of our workforce working from home, being able to make uh, the adjustments that they need to do to be able to try to keep things on schedule as best as you possibly can. And, and obviously there are there are effects, we've seen effects throughout our industry, but uh, being able to use Zoom and Slack and Skype and all these different things to be able to get your jobs done and work around and the adaptation of our workforce to that has been, uh, it's been really through this pandemic, it's been very encouraging. And I'll, I'll stop with that. I, uh, uh, Back to you, just, just, sure. Just to follow up quickly, I, I think what we've heard over and over again from your government customers is at least at the very beginning, there was a pretty steep learning curve in, in just adopting the technologies like, like you mentioned, Zoom and getting the authorizations to do that. In, in those first few weeks in March, how rocky was that transition for you? Were you pretty well set up from a te technology perspective to make that transition? You know, you know, I think there was a lot of the uncertainty involved with you know what's happening next where we had it but I, but to me the, the transition was difficult was you know everybody made those adjustments you know those little steps along the way you know just to keep everything moving keep the communication going figuring out how to do it i'll use the example you know we were working something with our government customers like well how are we going to do this how are we but the innovation on both the government side and our side and the communication and the transparency has been really really encouraging you know as far as being able to work together to a solution how do we get that well we usually do that face to face but 
being able to say, okay, we're going to put it here, we're going to do that, or make ourselves available, uh, that, that's been, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think it's gone off very well. It's not without some effects in some areas. Uh, it's not, it hasn't, you know, it has definitely driven some things that maybe wouldn't have happened before, but it's also shown another side. And, uh, you know, having people not entering facilities, you know, for the foreseeable future while we get through this, uh, just, you know, realize, it makes you realize you have to plan and you have to adapt. And, and I, just from a personal standpoint, who knows where we're going to be in the future as far as with people working from home. So we may have seen kind of a shift here uh, through this pandemic. Obviously, you can't do that in some of the classified arenas and in some of the things in your factories. But other than that, I think things have gone uh, as smoothly as can be expected. And there's been so much communication and transparency on both sides. So that's been very encouraging. And I'll stop with that, Chair. Sure. Hey, Hagen, let me turn to you on some of those same questions. How has this period looked for your folks at Periton? Yeah, I mean, uh, thanks, Jared. I think there was a real concern uh, going into March that the acquisition community and the government was going to have a real pause. Um, you know, we survive on uh, new business, new growth, and um, you know, we were worried that the, it was really going to slow down, and, and quite the opposite happened. Uh, we did have, obviously, some um, delays and push, um, push to the right on some of the large opportunities, but uh, we actually... Um, at least my team, we had an increase in pricing actions that we were submitting to the government. Um, we saw a lot of contract extensions, ECPs. So the acquisition community did a you know really phenomenal job of continuing to get um, acquisitions and procurements out the door and and back in and awarded. And so um, you know, kudos to the government for keeping things running. Michael, any observations on these topics? I mean, back to sort of the first question I opened with: Has it been? apparent from the outside that the government has gotten more agile during this, as, as, as General Holt put it, contingency contracting period. Absolutely. Um, it's, I think that part of it comes from the, the cloud smart policy and their ability to adapt to remote work very, very quickly. Um, so they were able to implement software and get you know, access to it from virtually anywhere that made it for the, on the federal government side, a very turnkey for them to be able to go and start working remotely um, much faster than I guess we all expected. And so for us, that's presented us problems, you know, as a software vendor on how to make the software more readily available for uh, government agencies and for federal contractors to sort of meet that need. Because as you're outside of your network and you're trying to get into the applications that you're using, just the ability to have access to stuff has really helped us put more of a focus on SaaS versions of our applications. So you know, thinking about how we can make those things readily available, highly deliverable, and to sort of shorten the time that it takes for people to come up to speed on the product have been major focuses for us. And it's, it's been nice to see both government and industry focusing on those things so that things like COVID, when they happen, it, it really doesn't hurt as much as you would expect it to. One of the things toward the beginning of the interview with, with Major General Holt that, that I thought was really important is that you know, they kind of hit the ground running when COVID struck because they had done a lot of work in advance preparing for great power competition with China in ways that they think made their system more agile and ready to adapt to a COVID type situation, including by getting rid of what, what he deemed to be a lot of outdated and unnecessary procedures. And, and I'd like to ask a variant of that same question of our industry panelists here. Before COVID, what sorts of things had you done to you know, reduce the time it takes to, to spin up a new you know, bid and proposal to shorten the length of time that, that that whole process takes for you. Of course, in many ways, you're dependent on how quickly the government can move, but within your own space, what had you done to shorten those timelines? George, you wanna start with that? 
so let me address that. And, and maybe this won't be as popular uh, as you want to hear. But the one thing that, you know, the concern we always have is that you have to meet all your, you know, government regulations, you know, the FAR, the DFARS, and that hasn't gone away. And I will say that uh, the government has done a lot of innovative things. The uh, you know, the DPAP office that they have, they've, they've run some pilots that Kim Harrington has pushed and, and they've done some really uh, things to do some fast turn. But for the most part, you know, we still have the same rules and regulations that we have to do. So the, all the things that we need to do and put into our proposals, you know, and, and make sure that we're compliant are still in effect, you know, and, and you know, there are some pilots out there that are, are waiving some of those things and, and uh, you know, they're, they're great pilots and they're great things to do. But I think on both parts, you know, we, we still have to do all the things that we need to do. The government has to do all the things that they need to do. And, and sometimes in negotiations, in order to make sure that the, the government, the taxpayers and the warfighters get the best deal, those things are still in place. And, and over, over the years, we've seen the timelines reduce with some of the things that have been put in place. Um, you know, with, with the government, uh, and, and that, that's a good thing. But, but I, I do want to put that caution there because I think, you know, all the, all the safeguards that have been in place for both the contractor and, and the government are still in place and, and are still working. Now, that's not to say that, you know, there's not more innovation, there's not more go-fast type activities that have been, that have been, uh, been the focus of the government and, 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 are, and are working. But for the most part, you know, we're still working with the same sets of rules that have been in place for, for several years. So I'll, I'll kind of stop there, uh, and especially, um, well, I won't stop, because especially with some of the large procurements and with all the, uh, with all the oversight and the things that need to be done on there, there you know, it probably goes without saying that, you know, that that's there and that's needed, um, and then I'll stop. Yeah, and, and just to stick with George's slight note of pessimism, I, I think part of what's happened during this, this COVID timeframe is that, processes haven't necessarily been cut out. They've just been delayed until after the pandemic. And I think one example of that is probably undefinitized contract actions. There have been a lot more dollars put on those, but in that case, it just means that work is going to have to get done later instead of now. And, and, and I wonder how much of that is out there, you know, in other words, oversight work delayed instead of cut out. Well, Jared, I just want to, I think that's the oversight is still there. I don't know if the oversight has been cut out or eliminated. It, it is still in process. I, I should have said paperwork cut out, not, not oversight work, but yes. Hagen, you want to pick up that thread? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I, I, didn't, I don't think COVID necessarily played too much of a role in the change of process. I, you know, Periton's a unique case. We, Periton only came into existence in 2017, a, a, a spinoff, um, Veritas Venture. And, um, you know, since that time, we've been investing a lot in our own internal capture processes, streamlining of those processes, making sure that they're, uh, they're the right processes, the approvals, uh, all the things we need to do. But um, I think, as, as George had mentioned, you know, to, to get a proposal out the door, we have to follow all the T's and C's. And so those, I wouldn't say that those have necessarily changed too much. Um, one of the things that, you know, for Periton has been really great, um, and it, call it foresight or just the, um, you know, uh, leadership of Rob Ginetta, our CIO, <clears throat> was that uh, in 2017, we switched to a cloud environment, um, you know, a really resilient cloud environment that allows us to pretty much access all of our stuff from any device, any place, any time. Um, and so when COVID hit and we went remote, we were prepared. Um, we also boosted um, some of our network and it really allowed us to make a seamless transition. Um, it has um, 
there's benefit of working in a war room and captures and uh, working with uh, collaboratively with peers, uh, person to person. Um, and, and we missed that, but at the same time, um, we really limited our, our the impact of, of how COVID's changed our processes because we've already uh, built that infrastructure to move that remote. So our processes aren't necessarily different, they're just now virtualized. And um, you know, we've been able to, um, to make that work um, without any sort of delay. All right, we need to take a short break here. Um, my guests today are Michael Weaver, Product Innovation Director at ProPricer, George Barbick, Director of Estimating, Program Assessment and Evaluation at Lockheed Martin, and Hagen McHenry, Vice President for Pricing, Strategy, and Intelligence at Paraton. And I'm your moderator, Jared Serbu. You're listening to the discussion, Lessons from a Pandemic, How to Overcome Acquisition Bureaucracy, sponsored by ProPricer on Federal News Network. Procurement is changing. So should your software. With ProPricer's database pricing solution, Excel spreadsheets become a thing of the past. Procurement time can drop from months to weeks. Used by the top 10 U.S. defense contractors, ProPricer continues to innovate and meet industry requirements while keeping a level of flexibility that allows each customer to effectively price in their own way. ProPricer, the number one pricing and cost analysis software. Learn more at ProPricer.com. And welcome back to the discussion, Lessons from a Pandemic, How to Overcome Acquisition Bureaucracy, sponsored by ProPricer on Federal News Network. And again, our guests are Michael Weaver, the Product Innovation Director at ProPricer, George Barbick, Director of Estimating, Program Assessment and Evaluation at Lockheed Martin, and Hagen McHenry, Vice President for Pricing Strategy and Intelligence at Periton. And I'm your moderator, Jared Serbu. And just before the break, um, Hagen was talking a little bit about some of the work that that uh, Periton has done to streamline its own processes during COVID and pre-COVID. Um, Michael, that's exactly the business that ProPricer is in. Maybe talk a little bit about um, what you have done, the, the work that you have done with these companies and others to help, again, streamline their processes, standardize their processes. Well, one of the big areas for us is to take feedback from the customer community. So that includes the people that we currently work with, the people that have you know, turned us down in the past to try to really understand what the, what the needs are, what the pain points are, and the use cases for features in, in the application. So one of the areas that we've really tried to focus on is that interaction between government and industry. You know, we've heard stories in the past about how long it takes for the government side to recreate the proposals using, you know, an Excel template or some other methodology. And to be able to provide a file that contains all of the proposal information in a standardized format has really helped reduce the amount of time that it takes to go back and forth to get to the objective and the, and the uh, negotiated positions. So being able to spend time doing the analysis and, and to audit the actual data inside of that proposal rather than recreating it has really been a strategic benefit for both of the players that are involved. And those are things that we try to focus on as far as features and functionality in the product. You know, we've, we've had in the past, we've had great feedback from both sides about how we've been able to streamline that process and to make it easier for the two people that are the two sides that are involved to get together and really get hammered down on the points of you know what the level of effort is going to be, what the costs and what the rates are, rather than spending time trying to figure out how those costs are built up. So from an auditability standpoint, when you bring in DCMA and DCAA, for them to be familiar with the structure and the format, for the government agency to have sort of a standard layout to look at, no matter who's submitting proposals, and for industry themselves to be able to take a singular product that's a, a COTS product and to be able to implement it and standardize their processes internally, it makes it much easier for them to move their personnel around and allow them to work sort of in any group or department that they need to to, to build proposals. And, and George, for a company like Lockheed that obviously has many, many different lines of business, how important is that standardization that Michael talked about? So, so let me talk about that a little bit is, 
you know, when I first, I've been in this job as a director uh, in of pricing and estimating PE for 11 years. When I first came into this job, we had uh, a number of, you know, we didn't have ProPricer on board with us. We had a number of different pricing engines. We had a number of different efforts where people were going to go forward and ask for money to develop their own pricing tool. And one of the things we did as we, we looked at that, we said, boy, we've got, uh, not only are we going to spend a lot of money developing this tool, but supporting this tool and doing all these other activities. And so we started looking out, are there things that we could purchase off the shelf like ProPricer? So we did the evaluation, we evaluated against external tools, internal tools, and ProPricer won that competition. And uh, one of the things, so, so we started standardizing our tools. So we didn't have this huge footprint of support. We had this one tool and ProPricer is 75% of in 75% of our businesses, you know, we have other tools just in case uh, as, as backups, but it's been ProPricer. So for example, you know, the standardization, the reports, things like that across the corporation. So now our proposal, some of the criticism, well, everything looks different. So there's more of a standardization. So from a government standpoint, there are evaluators, they can pick, pick up these proposals and they said, okay, they use ProPricer, you know, here's where it was, uh, here's done. I understand this. I have a better understanding of what it is. And, and also from our workforce standpoint, let's say we get a surge in one business area and they need additional people from somewhere else to support something, you know, you're taking that person instead of have to retrain them on the jargon, the tools, you know, you can plug and play people right away. So I, I think that's a huge benefit. And I'll give you an example, real life example. We just went through a full estimating audit across our entire corporation. And so we had to look at everything. So one of the things we did, we said, let's pick the commonalities. So some of them were the tools and ProPricer was one of them. So we were able to meet with DCA through the audit, explain them and everything's in place. Like, like Michael talked about, you know, it's on this, it's got these protections, here's what it is. So we did it one time instead of doing it a hundred times with all the different spreadsheet tools, like Michael, you know, uh, talked about different things that they'd have to look at, evaluate, analyze. And that really streamlined, we were able to do a, a complete audit in 12 months, which is almost unheard of. You know, and again, it talks to our government customer, DCA, DCA being able to, to work effectively with us and, and communicate and the transparency. But having a tool like that was, was so helpful. In addition, the cost of a ProPricer, the speed of ProPricer has been outstanding for us. I'm, I'm not getting paid for this. I, all I, you know, but it has been a huge benefit to the corporation to have this tool in our toolkit and to be able to utilize it. And, you know, so, so I think this also helps with the speed of our proposals, like I said, the accuracy of our proposals and, and ProPricer has done a really good job of being responsive to everything that we've asked them to do. If we've asked them, hey, this is something we really think is important. Uh, they've done that. Uh, it helps also, I think, being able for the government also to have that tool in their toolkit to be able to use it to do like Michael talked about some of the evaluations and being able to do the analysis and it helps not only does it help our folks because of the speed they can do more analysis and I think also on the government side being able to pick up the tool and be able to use it and do the analysis that they need to do to get to you know source selection to get to contract award to get to contract go ahead I think all of that's very important um, so I'll, I'll stop it there I probably talked too much but no, you're good. Let's let's switch to Hagen on that 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 similar point though. Um, what what have these sort of modern tool sets done for you? You know, once you incorporate those sorts of things into your day to day operations, what does it do for you in terms of productivity and output? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we implemented um, ProPricer just this past year, and um, it, it was part of a larger um, 
a project to redesign and re-implement um, pricing at Periton. Uh, so it was in conjunction with a new estimating system, uh, new uh, policies and procedures. And so um, uh, what I will say, um, we had a 400% increase in output per pricer per year. And so that's um, it's been a large part due to some of the things that um, ProPricer has been able to allow us to do, which is standardize internal and external reporting. Um, you know, we, we saw that there was a lot of time being spent building, you know, um, presentations, building reports for different um, different lines, different people. And we were able to kind of bring ProPricer in and standardize that so that now when we do a proposal, we, you know, we have enough, um, we put enough into what should a report look like. Uh, and we were able to just press a button at the end of the pricing exercise to generate that report. And it saves us a tremendous amount of time on the back end. And it allows us to really um, focus where the attention should be, which is understanding whether our, our proposals are compelling and um, accurate. And so that's um, that, that analysis has been able to be um, be increased while the, the sort of mundane tasks, um, ProPricer just sort of handles it. So the internal reporting is something that's um, been really um, impressive for us. Also, we use Estimator. And so that's um, allowed our line representatives um, with the, the knowledge of our systems and solutions um, to, to plug into our pricing model and it creates a lot of ease of versioning and speed to um, from estimate to proposal. And that's, uh, that's helped a lot. And I'll, I will say one thing about uh, external. Um, so our government customers, um, there, there are a few more and more uh, as we go along um, are adopting the um, adopting an allowance of pro price or reports for price proposals. Uh, and when they do that, uh, it really just cuts our production in half. We we don't have to spend time um, taking information out of ProPricer and formatting it in a certain way uh, into a certain type of proposal, um, generating all this backup data. We just uh, essentially zip our um, one file over, and uh, that's you know I, I think that that has tremendous promise for the future of contracting. You know, if we could spend less time doing these tasks that don't add value and more time doing tasks that add value, the analysis, the uh, data that is it compelling our solutions are the right ones for our customers um, that's where we want to spend our time and michael one thing we heard several times from general holt during during our conversation with him is he's he's very focused on actually eliminating unnecessary procedures so that his people can spend their time using their brains to to think about how practically to to build solutions that can counter the countries that we're thinking about in in terms of great power competition and, and I'm just curious for your observations on, on the government side, how effectively they've been able to use technology tools to, to the extent they still have processes they much, must complete, which there are many, how they've been able to streamline those with technology. Well, I think that they're doing a, a better and better job all the time. Um, any of the places where they can automate procedures, so not having to, you know, hand jam in numbers or copy and paste data or manipulate and format automatically when there's a when there's a product with a function that does those things for them, then it's not about doing some sort of data entry aspect to it. You're eliminating all of those processes and procedures that really anybody can do. And you're translating that into them being able to specialize in what they do. So being able to look and evaluate at all of the numbers and the inputs to be able to determine what's good, what's bad, and to actually have a discussion with their uh, vendor about the things that they like and the things that they don't. So anywhere that you can automate processes and, and, and streamline the, the back and forth communication between people, I think just adds a lot to the value of whatever contract you're looking at, because you're, you're really getting to drill down into the cost of things and the buildup of things and the time that it's going to take to accomplish things rather than spending weeks and months recreating data or trying to send it back and forth to find out what the common answer is. 
George, I want to come back to something that you mentioned before the break, which is that you've really seen an uptick in, in the, I think, both quantity and quality of the communication that Lockheed has had with the government. What does that actually look like? Can you maybe give me some examples of what things looked like pre-pandemic and post-pandemic in terms of that communication aspect? Well, I, I think, you know, what, what, what we've seen is, you know, because you're not face-to-face, the open and transparent communication. So instead of, you know, you know, one side sitting on information and not sharing that information. We've, I think we've gone as much as possible to make sure that we're communicating as well as possible. So things that may have kind of boiled over or you didn't hear about until it was too late to react. You know, I think what, what we're seeing now is if industry has an issue, we're sharing that with our government customers. If they have an issue, we're sharing or they're sharing it with us so we can, we can get to solutions quicker and faster. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's really been what I've seen is just the increase in communication, making sure that, you know, we can address issues before they become bigger issues uh, and, and tamp them down there and keep everything moving forward. I think it's, you know, everybody realizes, you know, you have certain things you have to do from your standpoint, but we're all one team really working towards, you know, really to really get to the solution. So, so that that's part of um, what I've seen, you know, Jared, you mentioned I'm kind of bouncing on topics here, but you know we talked about, and, and Michael did a nice job about talking for Pricer and the things the government's doing. And one of the things that we've seen also from the COVID-19 is the OSD CAPE and looking for information. And you know they really, uh, you know, with their CAID initiatives, which is looking at uh, how do you get data quickly uh, into the right people's hands. I think there's been a lot of good innovation there, and even with COVID-19, trying to integrate that. So. So I've seen the government do a lot of really good things of trying to wrap their arms around what's going on. And, and as we're all trying to figure this out, um, I appreciate that from a taxpayer standpoint, uh, what the government is also trying to do in some of the different areas, so, as well as you know the standardization of tools that we talked about. Down to about our last minute here. And, and before we close, Hagen, I wanted to turn to you on this because your company is very heavily involved in, in classified type work. We, we have paid so much attention during the course of this pandemic to how impressed we all are that we've been able to switch to a remote work environment. But there's a lot of work that still has to get done in skiffs and a lot of people in the workforce that don't have the option of teleworking. How have your folks that really don't have that option navigated through this? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we have a lot of admission essential employees that um, still go in uh, every day uh, bravely. Um, while the rest of us are sort of um, able to work remote, they they still have to do their jobs in, in an environment, in an area in which they're around other people. Um, we have uh, done the best we uh, can to make sure that we implement the regulations, the guidelines, uh, the social distancing, the spacing, um, the cleaning of our, our skips. Um, but, you know, I think one of the most important things that uh, my company has done uh, to sort of help and support those um, brave men and women who still go in on a daily basis is um, we created a business continuity team. And so um, we, we just bolster the communication. Um, you know, there has been cases where um, some uh, someone has gotten COVID and uh, being able to quickly distribute that information uh, to make sure that other folks are quarantining uh, if they were around that person. Um, it really makes a huge difference to, to control any sort of um, ripple effects of the spread of, of COVID. So I'm really proud of my company um, for the way that they've handled um, the communication aspect, the business continu- uh, continuity team has done a great and fabulous job. And I'm also very proud of the men and women of our company that still um, serve our government, serve our customers by going in on a daily basis. 
All right. That's a great way to wrap up. And I want to thank today's guests, Michael Weaver, Product Innovation Director at ProPricer, George Barbick, Director of Estimating Program Assessment and Evaluation at Lockheed Martin, and Hagen McHenry, who you just heard from, Vice President for Pricing, Strategy, and Intelligence at Periton. And I'm your moderator, Jared Serbu. You're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search ProPricer. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Lessons from a Pandemic, How to Overcome Acquisition Bureaucracy, sponsored by ProPricer on Federal News Network.